Welcome everyone to the Property Journey Podcast, episode nine. Mm-hmm. On the number nine, Roy. How are we today? Going good. Going good. I'm almost off today. Almost off. I'm in the office, just catching up on a few emails, a few things on the lowdown, on the covert. Nobody can covert. Nobody <laughs> can see me. And uh, and have a business meeting this afternoon, so that'll be that's it. And then tomorrow I'm off for half term with the family. So. Enjoying the Halloween holidays then. Just one day off at any rate. <laughs> <laughs> Squeezed in one day. <laughs> well, this topic today should be uh, relatively um, natural for you to talk about. Um, it is self-building. Mm-hmm. I know that you have a wee bit of experience yourself with yep. self-building. So um, we're going to dive in and kind of discuss the different stages and understand kind of the self-building process, essentially. Um Tell me, what, what is self-building then? So self-build is, as it says in the tin, so you, you go out and you have a site. So you either buy a site or a lot of, it's very traditional maybe, country folk, you know, they own farmland and then they inherit a site or they're gifted a site by their parents and you simply design a house and you build build the house to your dreams on that site. Can you give me a brief overview then of kind of i suppose maybe the the natural stages you know kind of briefly and then we'll maybe discuss them then further on so you'd start off with you have to get the site into your name you have to own own the site then you go through the planning process so you speak with an architect a designer planner to draw up a house design that suits your needs your dreams your desires and ultimately even though it might be your dreams and desires the planning service may not may yeah. not agree to it so you have to go through all their processes once they approve it then that gives you the permission to build the property you have to go through uh, suppose check the the costings of it so quantity surveyor probably go through price to make sure can you afford to build the property next you would have a contractor who's going to build the house so you're going to have one contractor to come in and do the whole lot and project manage it for you or are you going to pull together all the different trades guys yourself and finance obviously finance is the main thing how, how are you going to how are you going to fund it yeah yeah um because <clears throat> uh like i think that's the main thing as well is is that you know the self-building is going to be so rewarding to see your dreams mm-hmm. or your dream house come true you know but the financial side of it and p- probably the stress side of it mm-hmm. you know of, of actually going through the full process of getting it built i'm sure there's you know <laughs> it's, it's it, difficult it, at times it can be a, a roller coaster of emotions i know for myself it was you spend you know days of excitement you know when's it going to start and then you see it starting and then you go through the lows where you know have you got the you know can you get the money together for getting it finished um you run into difficulties you, then time there's always time constraints in these things as well when it's going to be done and then sometimes you just think oh my goodness this have i bitten off more than i can chew here and you just wonder is there light light at the end of the tunnel yeah yeah because like you know we could very well turn around and say you see programs like grand designs or whatever and you can sometimes see where the money runs out Mm -hmm. you know and you're sitting with a half finished house and there's not much you can do with it no and and the the key thing as you say is is (coughs) money a lot of people get carried away and it's very very easy it's a slippery slope you can very easily get get just run away with it 
uh, I know myself, you know, at the start of the project, there's just so many things that you maybe don't or haven't thought about and you're pricing around just randomly, for instance, the likes of maybe windowsills, which if you haven't looked at a house, you wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. But once you start building, you start looking at all these small things and then you're given a price of, well, do you go with the standard concrete windowsills or do you maybe go with a granite finish? And at the time you think to yourself, well, it's maybe only a difference of a couple of grand or maybe £3,000, I'll go for the granite one. But if you start doing that on every single thing, before you know, you, your money's just gone. Just gone. Yeah, gone. yeah. Um, and I suppose probably the, the first stage is, is obviously the planning and the, and the preparation side of things. You know, as, as you've said there, it's, you know, getting the planning permission done or mm -hmm. that side of things. But in terms of if you even scale it back, you've said there that some people, you know, maybe have farmland or whatever, but maybe even what's the process of kind of going about, say, for example, someone wants to buy land or, you know, buy a site essentially? Well, if you really want to get, get into it, you know, you could be very crafty. I'll use the phrase crafty. You could go out and see what land there is maybe for sale and see, is there a possibility? Could you get a site on that land? That would come of its risks, of course, because you could buy a field and, and think that you're going to get a site on it and you end up, you don't get a site on it. Obviously, if you buy it as a field, you're only paying agricultural price, mm -hmm. um, depending where that is. I know around, around Armagh, Portadown, good quality agricultural lands going for, you know, maybe 16 to 20,000 an acre, some, some places maybe more. Um, whereas a site for that value could be £100,000. Yeah. So there's a big, big, big difference there. But if you, if you can't get a field and then get your own plan permission, you just take a look on, on the internet for what sites there are for sale. Somebody has maybe already went ahead and got the plan permission, has all the, all the, the hard work done effectively, and you simply just buy, buy a, a site. So, is that, so essentially you could nearly say that there's two options as such, where the first is either try yourself mm. by buy farmland yourself essentially and then go through the planning stages yeah or you can buy a site that already has went through that and then it's a matter of now this may be just thinking outside but those sites that already have planning permission for them is that for um does that give you a rough guide of it's going to be a three-bedroom house or generally it depends on how detailed the planning permission is that they've got occasionally you can get just what's known as outline planning permission which is just simply saying the planners agree yes you can build a house in that field and they'll maybe just give a rough you know size of the house or the height of the house or it could be full planning permission which means it's got you know the full design layout of the house shape finish the whole lot yeah yeah now i was just curious about that because obviously for some as well and like me included that to even go start to go down that path like i'd have no idea if you were to turn around and say to me build you build me a house you know i had no i no idea how to do it um probably one of the big things as well is is thinking about your location and where you kind of want to build it mm. at the same time well Again, it depends. Traditionally, you would find a lot of self-builds are from rural people who have maybe, you know, they live in the country, they've got land or they're farmers or what have you, and they would get sites. You'd maybe have to be a wee bit careful there because you have to think of the finance side of things because, yes, you might have a site, but it could be down a long private laneway. It could be very close to the, the home farm, and lenders 
aren't overly keen in lending out money in those scenarios because the way they're looking at it is if you default on the payment and they have to repossess the property then it just makes it more complicated and less desirable for somebody else to come in and buy it so other than that just very simply generally you find a lot of maybe sites that's on the market for sale would be maybe a wee bit more suitable you know they're, they're they're good road access and things like that so that look and then location wise again it suits yourself you know you know how close is it to local towns and, yeah. and things like that and i suppose you know you were saying there about the finances and stuff as well but you at the start and that planning stage you probably need to have some sort of a realistic budget you definitely do you definitely do the best thing, I suppose, for this is a lot of people go through the, the self-build in, in stages and in steps, and which isn't a really good way of doing it. It's, it's a, a teamwork. You need to pull together everybody at the very, very start. For instance, you need your mortgage broker, you need your architect, your contractor, and your solicitor, generally, to all work together. Because if you do it step by step, it could end up you get to the next step and you realize well something else should have been done there and then you're jumping yeah to the one before and then it's going to cost you more money but ultimately it's going to cost you time and delays whereas if you if you work all together and you work out you know your budget you know your, your contractor is going to give you a price for it it all then comes together yeah yeah and i suppose that it's all back down to that planning you know and being prepared for what you're kind of you know you're getting yourself into as such yeah um and that kind of does bring us on to the the financing of it like is there certain you know obviously you have to worry about whether or not you are buying the land if you have to buy the land or buy the site there's mm -hmm. that side of things you know obviously can you can probably go through the traditional route of getting a mortgage for that site or for that um piece of land but also you know in terms of then the actual project of buying you know building a house mm -hmm. is there a mortgage that's all rolled into one or there's a big difference between finance for self-build compared to buying a traditional house if you buy a traditional house there could be 20 30 maybe even 40 different lenders willing to give you money mm -hmm. for a house whereas for a self-build there could be two maybe three and some of those lenders will decide during the year whether they're going to maybe slow off on the amount that they're going to lend out. Some of them might have actually lent out enough for that year and they'll not. So that you could be reduced right down to one lender in mm -hmm. some occasions. And then again, some lenders have their criteria as to where is the property? As I say, is there a laneway? Is there a farm? Things like that. So it, you know, finance is, is a crucial thing to do your homework on at a very early stage. The difference between a self-build mortgage and a mortgage for a house is a house is sitting ready you know you borrow the whole lot and you move in whereas with a self-build first of all a bank will probably want more money from you because it's higher risk and second of all they're going to give the money to you in stages mm -hmm. uh, and that's in in line with how the house is is built so it's one of those things maybe initially it doesn't cost overly that much because you're you know each drawdown as such, each, each lump sum is, is low and it's getting then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then at the very end, you normally then get the mortgage tidied up and, and uh, remortgaged. And I suppose that's the thing, you know, when you think of a traditional house, it's a, it's a case of the bank can send out their surveyor, looks around the property, 
whether or not that's the value of what it's being sold for they produce the mortgage bang done mm-hmm. you know whereas you you're right in what you're saying you know that self-build side of things you, you have no idea how it's going to go the, the risk on it is quite substantial yeah basically if you run into snags or you know you find something that you shouldn't have found within the land or whatever it happens to be as you say and you know that that risk is for them especially a lot higher um as and you've already discussed the you know how do you obviously secure it like i'm guessing your mortgage advisor is the person to speak to when it when it comes down to you know finding mm-hmm. those mortgages then speak to a mortgage advisor and they'll be able to tell you which which lenders are in the in the market for it occasionally it may be a case where an advisor advisor may not be able to help and you might have to go directly to the bank but as always speak to an advisor because they're going to be able to find out you know they can speak to a number of lenders in one go for you yeah. which speeds up the process as well and probably points you in the right direction, at the, the right se- direction. at the same time um and i suppose actually i haven't even thought about that i know we've talked about government grants and stuff and in, in other uh scenarios um obviously with co-ownership and stuff like that there but you know is there any incentives or, or government grants for self-building at the minute or not, not that i'm not that i'm aware of uh, i know years ago there was different incentives whereby maybe if it was a an eco house or it was the, the energy performance yes. rating was very low there was different different uh benefits and things like that and different grants but there might be grants coming in the future uh, over the the heating systems because the government's trying to push for you know global or not global warm but they keep the the emissions low yes so they're going to be pushing for for newer heat systems and things like that probably more so in in retrofits for traditional houses as opposed to the new builds so very simply don't be banking on any sort of uh, help yeah yeah um and i suppose the the final sort of one in terms of the financial side of things is is like what, what would be the common like i suppose challenges that you could face when you are self-building like is there snags that you know are quite common in that side of things or is it sort of each each sort of self-build to their own wouldn't necessarily say there's common snags there's things that maybe you just couldn't you wouldn't think of that, that could happen like for instance i've heard of different stories where maybe the, you know, the foundations are starting to be dug and they realise that maybe the ground's a bit softer than what they realised and therefore they maybe have to dig deeper or, or, or start to pile. It could be a scenario where maybe a bit of rock is hit and therefore then you're into more expense and getting you know, uh, contractors in to, to, to quarry that out. I know, for instance, the likes of myself, with my self-build, I, I'd done everything that I could, all the due diligence, but even still, no matter what, uh, just with the design of my house I run into a snag over the, over the roof and there was a very like a round porch I'd run into big big difficulties with it during the build section but during the design and everything all the calculations everything worked out but it, it's, it was a couple of days scratching on site scratching the head on site all the contractors together wondering what on earth are we going to do here but we were, we were able to to get it all fixed but it did cost it did cost a bit more money and, uh, and that's that's the thing as you say it all it looks all well and good on design and you know that as you've said done the due diligence on it done the checks on it done the calculations on it and then whenever you reach site you realize mm, this is not going to work out you know and one big thing is it's very difficult what I, what I experienced was whenever you're designing a house and you're sitting with all these sheets in front of you 
it's really, really hard to, to, to visualize, you know, the sizes of room, shapes of room and things like that. And it's not until that you are, you know, like the house has started to be built where you can actually start to visualize yeah. and see yourself in the room. And it could be things with the likes of you're trying to plan ahead and all you see is block walls, four block walls, and you're trying to visualize where am I going to put the bed? Where's the sofa going to go? And you're trying to think about, well, where's, where's my electric sockets going to go? Where's my radiators going to go? And then it might be something where you, they're put in or, you know, they're tracked. And then a couple of weeks later, you realize, you know what, that's not going to work. Yeah. So there's added cost then and getting that rechanged and redone. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you'd nearly be better if you are pre-planning and, and thinking about that side of things is kind of having like a what I would call an emergency fund where, you know, you can kind of yeah, yeah. Make sure it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure it's a big one. So you, you've touched there on, on the likes of your design um, challenges that you faced in, in your own self-build. But like in terms of, you know, an, an architect or a design team, how do you even go about trying to find them? Is it again back down to reviews or recommendations? Reviews and research. So we have this natural tendency to get recommendations off people. And we just very simply say, ask somebody who's maybe in this case built a house and said, who did you use and were they good? And somebody might say, yep, use such and such, they were brilliant. But you need to drill down into it and say, why was it they were brilliant? Because what they did so brilliantly for you may not be yeah. you know, for yourself. And it all depends. Is it somebody that, that's going to have a nice design? Is it going to be very modern? Is it going to suit your needs? It could be something where maybe you, you don't like that real contemporary modern look and you want more traditional. Might be down to how did the architect you know, liaise with, with the client, you know, were they, you know, intense, were they, you know, there constantly for them or were they just simply a matter of, yep, you want your house drawn, I'll draw it. And that's, you know, there's all different types of service which suits different types of people. So really drill down in to, you know, who has been used, why were they so good, would that suit you? And then go and, go and speak to them, see if you yeah. gel with them, see if you can work with them. I suppose it's, uh, you know, one of the good things I always find about a portfolio Mm. is you can actually see you know the likes of what people were designing yeah and you can begin to see their maybe their style of you know how they go about designing things you know if you for example want an eco-friendly you know building or, or house there's probably an architect out there that specializes in mm -hmm. eco-friendly you know designs so you know do a bit of digging and find out that person who's likely to be more beneficial to you than a maybe a traditional yeah. one that's kind of just you know this is the style of house that i do that's it yeah you know so i probably i would agree with you there but you know digging down and, and doing your own research yeah there's, there's I'll give you an example there's there's an architect that i've i've known or come across and you know people feel yep use him he, he's not that expensive that's great it'll be done quickly and it's simply a matter of you go to him you give an idea of roughly what you want. He'll pull out three or four designs similar to what you're thinking of. Say here, which one do you like? Pick it, and that's it. Yeah, it's, it's replicated, you know, and that could suit that sort of a person because they don't want to think, they don't want to visualize it, they just want to build a house and, and call it their own cost. Yeah. Whereas you could have another architect will be a matter of literally right. Let's go out on the site. Let's you know, look at that view there, and we could visualize your, you know. Your living room here and you know the glass windows and basically take you the whole way through the journey and the difference between those two services are night and day and ultimately cost 
and it's back to you know probably relaying to that said person about what you're what you are looking for what your want is and you know if someone's basically going to replicate an hour drawn mm. and that's what you want well then happy days go for it but if you want that full journey as you say then you know go out and find that that's person that's going to take you right through it yeah um probably then it's back down to then the the considerations of what you want as well you know is it a case of you want a three bed is it a case of you want four or five or how many it is you know and was there any customizations in say your site or the house that you built you know that you kind of thought i really want this room or i really want to make sure that i can fit this in see this is the thing where you have to start to visualize and plan ahead well how long am i going to live here for in the property what are the different stages i'm going to be going through in life and a lot of people maybe only think of now you know if it is something where you're maybe planning to have a family you need to think about well how many children are you are you planning to have so that you can accommodate them and then you also have to think about well maybe what about older age you know how are you going to get around around yeah. the house or sometimes uh, you have to think about what if something was to happen to you and you're you're your, your mobility completely just turns overnight, you know, is the house going to be adoptable to you? I know in my scenario, tried to think about all of those things, but you, you can't you can't predict yeah. it all. And just to give you an example, uh, for our, our last bedroom, I just completely overlooked it in the fact that didn't just didn't realize maybe how large it was. And the fact it was far, far too big for a bedroom. It had three outside walls mm-hmm. and it's, it's quite a cold very cold bedroom and it's a room that we can't really use that much so it's just those things that you don't you don't really think about but definitely a big tip is spend time visualizing visualizing your life there and all the different scenarios the good times and the bad times and try and get it all to to adopt it it sounds like you created that room for the in-laws so you throw them in they don't stay <laughs> they don't stay too long and freeze them <laughs> um uh, because obviously then as as you're saying like you know if you don't think about all that kind of stuff then you know there is going to be certain rooms or you maybe haven't created enough rooms Mm. you know there there is that difficulty and as you say it probably is a case of you may be thinking about the next five or ten years but you know are you going to be in this house for the next 20 or 30 you know and think about that as well then um obviously the big thing at the minute then as well is that you and you've touched on it that energy efficiency you know those certificates and stuff like that there like how how big of a part does that play then in that design side it's really become very prevalent in the last the last few years because i think the cost of building has got so expensive and the cost of running a house has got expensive that everybody's more conscious of the running costs so you if you invest a lot at the start in theory over a period of time you'll claw back that money and the running costs of the property will be considerably considerably low simply because it's not using that much energy to heat the property so i know for instance to give you an example things change as we go along i built my house about 10 years ago and at that time the industry standard for your cavity wall so that's your outside wall and inside wall the gap between the two of those industry standard was something like four inches so it was quite you know quite small yeah but that was the common at that point and what i did was i made mine with six and a half inches maybe i think maybe it could have been seven inches and then pumped it with a high quality bead and by doing that and a few other uh, 
tweaks to the, the property for installation wise like my house actually isn't too bad to to, to to heat and to keep to keep warm what we've noticed is in the winter months if you keep the heat on every single day i'm not saying keep it on constantly yeah yeah but yeah. we would have a the oil on maybe two hours a day and then we've got a stove which heats the whole house and that's let and, and that's basically it that's we don't that keeps the house warm overnight and in the morning we don't even need to put on any heat and there's other houses nowadays like there's just this fascinating how much money you can spend on it but ultimately how low cost the it is to actually heat to heat the property i don't want to even go off off topic slightly you know I've, I've heard of the schemes now where you know a lot of houses now are actually eligible for it where you know you can contact the um basically like an insulation team or where they can come in and assess the property about you know how well insulated yeah. your property is and they can come in and as you say pump the walls whether it's with beating or whether or not your house is going to be eligible for it or not you have to do your own research yeah um but you know it is a big thing now um i know my brother uh, got it done and the heat in his house now is is big fierce big yeah you know very rarely would he have to put the heating on in general it just it just shows you how how standards have changed and how they keep changing and that's why if you're building a house again some people maybe hold back and say oh, i don't want to spend that much we'll, we'll hold back you're probably safer maximum maximizing it out because if you're going to be there for 15 20 years you know there's going to be a lot of changes whereas at least if you're at the max well that's going to pan you out a few years rather than just yeah being a wee bit skimpy on it and you'll regret it yeah yeah because as you say probably the chances are of you coming back to do it it's uh, slim to nail and it's uh, more difficult it's more difficult as well um which leads us on to the you know the project management side um and obviously executing the actual plan that has now been sort of drawn up mm-hmm. Would you say that you were on site a lot? Did you, or did you have someone coming in that was managing the full sites? Well, there's two options. You can either bring in a contractor, and they'll just they'll organise everything. So they'll bring in the, the digger man, the the, the the builders, the joiners, the electricians. They'll do all of that. In my scenario, I I did it all myself, effectively. So I organised all those different different tradesmen. Now I would have been on site every single morning early to meet those guys would have tried to get there late in the evening just to as a as a as a the checkup as well and then every night i was on the site so when you have a contractor all the if you want to call it all the donkey work is done for you whereas when you don't have a contractor the donkey work's not being done yeah so that meant every single night i was on site cleaning up tidying up getting stuff moved around getting stuff organized as literally leaving the office at five o'clock getting home fed get my dinner into my quickly down to the site and would have been on site till maybe 10 12 o'clock at night and then back up again the next and that was maybe six six days a week yeah uh, for for a good year so it, 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 it took its toll there definitely is a lot of organizing and a lot of running about after the guys mine was slightly fortunate or very fortunate i suppose because my father-in-law is in the building trade so he was able to keep me right i was able to use his contacts as well a lot of his contacts were used to working on sites you know other developments and other projects and they're all working together so there's maybe times for instance where had they not done that they would have been phoning me as the owner to say roy what about this what about that but because they'd all know each other and they work regularly together 
thankfully there was times they were cutting me out and they were just going straight to each other so yeah. the, you know, the, the builder was maybe phoning the plumber directly instead of phoning instead of phoning me and then finally quite a few of the, the trades guys were very local to me as well so there was that there was that relationship there was that friendship and there was that trust yeah. element which you, you can't put a value on well no that's and uh, i think we discussed it in the, the last episode where you know about fixer-uppers where if you actually have a team around you or a team of people that know each other mm. you know the, the benefit to that is is unbelievable because they can just go ahead and go well i know the way he works i know they, they work we'll just talk to them get it thrashed out here and away we all go yeah. and you've been on the wiser but you know that it's still being done in, in your best interest as such um so probably the next question is then do you regret sort of taking on that donkey work as such or you know if you were to build our house would you bring a contractor in there's two ways of looking at that do i regret it probably not no um there's definitely painful there's definitely as i say you know very low times because you're thinking to yourself how am i going to get this work done and you were juggling everything and getting it all there if i was doing it again circumstances are completely different now so when i, I was building the house i was only what maybe 26 years of age 25 years of age um i was an employee and I had no family whereas now you know married three children number of businesses i just would not have the time yeah. to, to, to do that now and i would very simply would i do it again give me another few years and a, and, a, and and i will but a definitely contractor the whole way the yeah whole way. yeah and at least then i suppose then you're just getting updates you yes. know or if there's any snags they give you a quick call you basically tell them what needs to be done and then away on they go again get yeah. it sorted for you exactly and as it's probably back at back to circumstances you know your own personal circumstances you know can you do which say for example what you were doing meeting them at six o'clock in the morning maybe on site then going doing a day's work coming home dinner then back out on site 12 o'clock home five hours sleep back up again yeah, you know exactly. it, it, it's challenging yeah. you know and as you say it would take its toll on you yeah. and at some stages you probably think to yourself how am i doing this or why yeah. why am i doing it you know so, it, uh, there's a myth a lot of people do it because they think it saves a lot of money technically it could um but it all, again it all depends on your circumstances that probably suited me at the time because i was doing all the donkey work so really what i was doing was instead of me paying somebody to do it i was doing it so that was like a wage effectively that i wasn't paying out that, that i was saving but ultimately you know if you have the time fair enough happy days do it but if you don't have the time that's 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 the difficulty and then also it probably caused me yes i would say i probably did save money on it but it was more stress because i can remember the likes of the garage i built the garage and i got stuff moved into it but that was only because i needed to use it yeah but it was a complete roundabout way of doing things because then to save the money that was to save money just to get use out of it but then i had to get at a later date spend three or four days getting stuff moved out cleared out all the rest of it to then actually get the floor put in and finished so it was completely completely pointless i suppose that's things in what you would call hindsight, hindsight um yes. yeah um We've kind of talked about those challenges and stuff as well. Like, you know, it is, no matter what, you're, you are probably going to find snags. You are probably, you know, in the middle of something and, you know, your electrician falls sick and before you know it, then you're two weeks behind or three weeks yeah. behind schedule. Um, and that's, the, the next question was like, you know, 
trying to keep that project on schedule. Um, I suppose that's probably one of the things that a lot of people would struggle with is, you know, we're going to give this 12 months and we're going to have the, you know, the house up and ready and we're going to be moved in. But it never really works out like that. And time as well, you have to be very conscious of it in that if your mortgage, sometimes your mortgage will say to you, this house has to be completed by a certain date. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise your mortgage is expired and you mightn't get that last payment. So, if you're trying to do it all yourself, the likelihood of getting that all done in a year is slim. Uh, on average, you're talking a good 12 to 18 months. And that is generally maybe just the house being built yeah. and finished. A lot of people overlook the outside of the house. That's a whole that's a whole concept in itself. That's a whole different different thing. Uh, yeah, the actual, the, the garden as such and driveways and, you Desi- know. Design of it, layout of it. Um, cost of it and again organizing and getting that all ready as well yeah yeah i know because it, it's quite funny that uh, especially around here you can actually see a lot of houses that have been completed people have moved in mm-hmm. you know but the the groundwork still hasn't been done and you begin to actually see it especially over time where the groundwork still hasn't been done you know and you're driving past the same house up you know six months it's not uncommon i've seen it quite a lot as you say a house could be sitting for years and the outside isn't 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 done and that's simply because they've maybe overlooked it overlooked the cost of it and they've maybe just got over that hump of getting into the house and there's just the thought i will worry about that another day yeah and then they just get into a routine and a rut and it it may not ever be be finished because that's i mean as you say even the cost of uh, you know say for example getting your drive tarmac or something like that there it's it's not a it's not a cheap job no you know and even there even trying to get grass and the you know order on in getting your your, your floor beds in yeah yeah it's 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 not a a cheap part of the the process um i suppose that brings us on kind of to you know in terms of whether you have a contractor and whether you yourself are, are doing the know the groundwork essentially um and and conducting everything and getting the house all ready in terms of that completion side of things you know the house is up everything's in place you know you see a lot of people where they maybe kind of move in where there's still maybe a small amount of work needs to be done or you know the actual the outside's done the house is built but it's now just kind of the internal side Mm. of things need to be finished um but like, where do you where do you set them with like final inspections or you know the certi- certifications? You know, so that as, as you're building the property, you're going to go through different different stages or different phases, and normally the bank will release money mm-hmm. in those different phases. So certificates wise, you need the building control to approve the plans initially, and then at each individual stage, they will come out and check it. And then certificates wise, then your architect has to sign off on each of those stages as well to ensure that the house is being built to the spec, to the standard. And then once the house is completely finished, then that's it, what's known as signed off. So it's signed off by the building control. So that means they've approved it and they feel that it's completely perfect and there's no no issues with it structurally and the likes of that. And then second of all, it's signed off by an architect or an insurance company, which means that that's the house guaranteed structurally for maybe seven to ten years to say that if the house you know subsides or falls down or anything like that then there's a warranty in place to to protect you yeah um and i suppose probably one of one of the things that 
I, I, I hadn't thought about them was the, as you say, the, the building control, that side of things. Um, like, what would be some of the snags that you can run into with them? Is it kind of, you know, the, the likes of the design of it? Is it the maybe the exterior, kind of what you're intending to put on the exterior? You know, what kind of things can you run into? Well, the snags with the likes of that scenario would probably be flagged up at, a, at the very early stage, yeah. basically at the design stage, as opposed to, thankfully, as opposed to during the build. At the design stage, it might be the case of just randomly building control might decide, well, you know what, that window's maybe not suitable because it needs to be bigger, it needs to open out, for instance, because you need to have that as a fire escape window or it needs to be moved. It could be something where they mightn't like where a door is because that could maybe create too much of a draft and it's a fire risk. You know, there's a, a number of different reasons that building control, they have, you know, they're there to protect you effectively. Yeah. So a lot of those snags will come up at the design stage, thankfully, as opposed to the actual construction stage. Because obviously one of the key things is, especially if you're building in the country and stuff as well, is, is sometimes the height of mm. the houses and that's based on is it blocking views and stuff like yep. that then as well so again that would be thankfully picked up at the design at the design stage whenever you're submitting the planning permission because the planners would look at the area they'd look at your plans and say right well does that actually you know fit in with the local area yeah, does it yeah. fit in with the look you know because if if all the houses beside you are all real traditional country houses and then you're looking to build this futuristic modern completely glass yeah. building more than likely it's not going to be allowed likewise if they're all bungalows around you if there's two bungalows on either side of you you're not going to be allowed to build a two or three story three story house so again thankfully all that will be picked up at at the at the design stage because that was a question that i actually did mean to ask was like you know some of the because you hear a lot of people turn around and say oh i want to build a house such and such this way and then the next minute it was like building control just told me no yes. you know um but in terms of then as you say then that completion side of things you know you've got obviously building control coming in you know is there any way that they can also help then or you know maybe t detect things in your house is that basically based on like maybe a survey or that them inspections yeah so they'll they'll just come in at each stage and just just check off on everything and then at the very end they'll just do one final one final check and then at that point once it's signed off that's them saying the house is perfect and it's it's suitable to, to live in and is that is that kind of where then you begin to see some people beginning to move in then you know it may not be completely finished you know your walls probably still need painted you know there's maybe floors still yeah. need to go down it, it normally comes down to budget sometimes in an ideal world the house would be completely finished and it'll be mm -hmm. all nice and clean and shiny and and you, you'd move in I know for me, I moved in and half the house still had concrete floors. We didn't have a staircase in to get up to get upstairs. Um, it was it was definitely the, the bare basics just to get in. Didn't even have front steps. You were climbing up breeze blocks to get <laughs> to, to get up into it, and walking into the hall, walking in round scaffolding. But you know, it was still it, it was livable. Yeah. Um, and again, a few months later, we just kept working at it and working at it, and we got it got it all finished. Because I, and as you say, it is down to budget, like, you know, and as well, some people obviously tend to either maybe sometimes move into, you know, say, for example, a, a, a mother home or something along those lines. That's kind of where we've moved out of our house. We're building this one. We need somebody to put our head down, basically. 
you know that's what you're living out of and yeah. at some point you probably just want to get into the house so um obviously the, i suppose this would kind of touch on it as well then is there any like ongoing maintenance or those home improvements then for self-builds probably the gardens one of the main ones it's, it's no real difference to to anywhere else it's just again it depends on the size of the house and the size of the plot as opposed to the amount of maintenance so if you're in a big plot and you have a big garden well you've you've you have a lot of maintenance and um, that is if you're into gardening and you want everything yeah. tidy and then likewise for the house it's the exact same as living anywhere else again it's just if it's bigger it's just going to need to be maintained a bit more so uh probably then don't have a push lawn more have a ride on like exactly. you know depending yes. on what you're looking for it's, pro- um, it's probably more so the a lot of things that you overlook is maybe just later on when you're maybe modernizing things or changing things it's much more costly because in general it's, it's probably a bigger house compared mm-hmm. to living in the town and everything is much bigger so it's going to cost more to you know it's bigger wooden floor to put down there's more tiles to put down it's a bigger bathroom so it can be a wee bit more costly yeah um what would kind of be your advice then um to someone that's maybe considering a self-build project then i break it down into teamwork as i said so definitely at an early stage bring everybody together your financial advisor or your mortgage broker your architect and your contractor and your solicitor all together and plan it all out so that's at the very early stage then what else during the stage i would say definitely enjoy it it's a journey that you're going on enjoy it uh, don't be a uh, rushing too much don't be you know sometimes there's this tendency to oh, i wish i want in i want in and you're pushing and pushing just enjoy enjoy the journey and take a lot of photos that's one regret i didn't take enough photos off it to be able to flick through yeah at, at a later at a later stage and one big thing is don't forget that you have to furnish the house so whenever you're working out the cost of the contractor at the start most of the time that's really only for building the house it doesn't cover the furnishings doesn't cover the outside of it to furnish the house alone is crazy you know, yeah you could go for a kitchen from five grand to 50 grand you know bathrooms are, are endless prices even carpets sofas all of that that was something i'd overlooked i was a uh, whenever i was building it was right at the deep of the recession right right at the deep there was no finance out there there was no loans out there jobs were there were no jobs either it was it was crazy um and every time i was doing my figures it was always about just get the house finished get the house finished and then once we started going in and starting to buy yeah everything yeah. you realize oh, oh flipping forgot about this yeah and then likewise outside as I say, the focus for me was just to get the house, but then outside was another ball game: getting it curbed, getting the garden done, getting the tarmac, you know, the gates, electric gates, all of that was all, all another two fortunes. I was going to say, Roy said, enjoy yourself, but that means enjoy the process, not enjoy splashing the cash. Keep keep a rain on it, keep a rain on it, because it it is very easy to get carried away. You know, it's like you know, you're going into all these showrooms. And you're constantly seeing the real, real, the top class, the nice stuff. And that's what you, you know, fair enough, if, it, if it's your budget and it suits, you know, knock yourself out. But, you know, be careful not to get carried away. Because to talk about the finance in, in a greater detail there, there's the different stages of the mortgage. And where a lot of people get caught out is that final stage. And if you've maybe spent a wee bit too much as, as you've gone along, 
that final stage to get signed off by building control is probably the biggest stage that has to be done. That's when you have to have the kitchen in, you have to have a bathroom in, um, it has to be livable. And if you have enough money to get to that stage, you can then, as in money yourself, you can't, the bank won't release that last payment to you. So it's yeah. a catch 22, you need the money to get signed off, to get the money back from the bank. And a lot of people run dry at that point and then that's where the difficulties arise and that's where there's a, a shell as such with nothing inside it yes um and i suppose probably the last last bit is you know obviously when you're self-building you're supporting kind of you know maybe local tradesmen or local people that you know people that you're pulling in that you know maybe your parents know that mm. have recommended as, as well and, and i suppose there's a, a good feeling about that as well that you know these people are kind of helping you create this project but at the same time you know you're helping them with essentially a job as such yeah. at the same time absolutely i know again sharing my experience at the time, it was it was the deep of the recession. You know, trades guys were clambering over you just just to get a job, begging you for a job. And there was times that you know, yes, you still got prices, but there was times I maybe could have got a, a tradesman who was a lot cheaper and a lot you know a, cheaper to pay, but they weren't local. As opposed to I, you know, a lot of my neighbours, maybe some of them actually cost me more than what I could have got it done. Yeah. But then later down the line, that's paid dividends for me, like the likes of uh, the electrician. You know, if I needed something checked or did something wrong or, you know, you know figured out, he's my neighbour. I just simply got him. Yeah. The likes of the gates, anything goes wrong, he's a neighbour, left the, left the phone to him. He's passing the house every day, pops in. I need to chase, phone you again about that one, Richard, just <laughs> if you're listening. Um, uh, but all those, just, just those local guys, the neighbour guys, you just lift the phone. You're, you're, you're seeing them on a regular basis and it's, it's just trust and as you say you just feel good to be able to help help the local community well as you say if that was the deeper recession you know it's one of those things where you help them they help you in the future yeah. you know they were the ones that worked on it they'll know, maybe know the house inside out though you know i suppose it's back to sort of business at the same time as well where you know if you support someone the chances are they'll not forget about that absolutely you know so it's it's good in that sense well that's probably an overview of of self-building um i'm sure there's probably plenty of points that we haven't touched on um is there anything springs to mind or are we kind of nope that's kind of covered if, if somebody's going through the process you know feel free give me a shout um i love 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 talking about it any of my clients that, that are going through the process i always tell them take loads of photos and send me the photos because it's, it's just it's brilliant being involved in it yeah even though i'm only a small cog in it sorting out maybe the, the the legal side of things for them but it's great to know that 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 one small cog has created such a fantastic uh, future family home i suppose that's maybe actually a, a question that i could ask but in terms of like the, the legal aspect of it you know in terms of title and stuff like that there then like you know what what's the difference between the title sort of for a self-build in comparison to other properties or it's maybe new build properties is it kind of the same generally generally the same and again it's important that that's all checked at the at the very start um you know a lot of people if it's family land they maybe go ahead and plow on and do you know get the digger in get the builder started and they maybe don't even have the house registered or the site registered in their name so it all keeps coming back to the teamwork at a very very early stage yeah yeah well that's episode nine self-building um rather enjoyed that one roy thank you chris um and it's great to even hear your sort of side of and your experience of, of going through it as well so 
Um, thank you very much. You're welcome. And for anyone else, uh, if you've got to the end of the episode, make sure to check out any of the previous ones. And uh, as well, hopefully we'll have plenty more in the future. So thank you. Thank you.